to Varium Musing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and as you know, I just got back from the Disney Wish, and I am so excited to share every little bit of it with you. Now, normally in the intro, I talk about, you know, like what's happened in my life, things that are going on before we get into the episode, but I truly, like, just got off this ship less than 48 hours ago. No, that's not how time works. It was... Uh, it was about 48 hours ago. It was about, I had a very long travel day when we disembarked. I basically woke up on a Disney cruise ship, spent the day at Disney World, and then traveled back to LA and got home before midnight. So it was a little kooky all over the place. But I have no, I have no life to discuss since then. So we're basically just gonna hop right into the episode. There are a couple of housekeeping things I wanna mention up front. First things first, if you are listening to this podcast the day it comes out, I am currently doing a very fun giveaway on my Instagram page for the next week. Week with some exclusive items I picked up on board, as well as a lounge fly backpack exclusive to the inaugural sailings and matching mini ears that I'm not going to lie, I spent way too much money on because it just kind of felt like buying souvenirs for my friends and I wanted to do it. And so I did. Also, when you charge stuff to the room, it doesn't feel like real money. Uh, and I don't even know where the final bill lives. So uh, I will deal with that later. But anyway, I'm very excited to give all this away. So please be sure to check that out on Instagram at Carly Wiesel. It'll be up running for about the next week. Second of all, if I don't answer a specific question you have in this episode about Disney Wish or Disney Cruise Line or anything like that, and you are still searching for the answer, please feel free to call the Churros hotline at 747-CHURROS and I will do my best to solve it. We will be answering all Churros questions about the ship on next week's episode in order to give you all a little extra time for any inquiries and just to go over things that we learned from this episode. So keep them coming, let me know, and we will tackle all of that next week. So stick around because we are about to get into the Disney Wish and everything I ate, saw, experienced, learned, and did aboard that vessel. Stay tuned! Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to our very special recap episode of the Disney Wishes inaugural sailing. As everyone knows by now, because I've been shouting it from the rooftops almost since I stepped on board, the Disney Wish is exemplary. The spaces, design aesthetic, reinvention, and changes made for this ship specifically, which differs from Disney Cruise Line's existing vessels, are for the most part incredibly well done. For anyone who has not yet sailed on Disney Cruise Line, or any cruise for that matter, let me zoom out and explain just what's going on here. Many different companies offer many different kinds of cruises, but Disney Cruise Line is really in a class of their own. It's a really high-quality product, and always has been. They're family-friendly to a T, operating without an onboard nightclub or casino like many other companies have, but they also carve out an ample amount of spaces just for adults, like themed bars and a private pool deck, for adults who may or may not be traveling with kids. 
Similar to what Disney has in Alani with Auntie's Beach House, here kids and teens are granted access to kids clubs that are split up by age, with programming ranging from piloting the Millennium Falcon in a Star Wars themed space, to playing Disney Junior games, to mastering the mystic arts with Doctor Strange. Who's there? Doctor Strange is there! And Marvel Superhero Academy. It's kind of the best of both worlds. Kiddos get to have a fun Disney experience on board and play all day, while parents actually get a little time to themselves during family vacation. Free of worry, by the way, thanks to safety restrictions in place to ensure they don't wind up just wandering the ship. I myself do not have kids and have been on multiple Disney cruises, as well as multiple Royal Caribbean cruises, and I still far and away prefer Disney Cruise Line. A space with, I don't know, fun restaurants, cool entertainment, and themed lounges sounds pretty great, but it'll never be as compelling to me as one that sees me bumping into Goofy in the elevator bank or being entertained by Paul Rudd as Ant-Man while enjoying my dinner. With the addition of Disney Wish, Disney Cruise Line now has five ships in their fleet. Their two older ships, Disney Magic and Disney Wonder, are a bit smaller and more intimate than their larger ones, Disney Fantasy and the Disney Dream. Everyone has a preference, and everything features loads of Disney experiences, characters, and quintessential magic. But I personally lean towards a newer and bigger ship, which, of course, is why the Wish is right up my alley. This ship's success also bodes well for the two new ships that are coming down the pike, bringing DCL's total to seven. Expect more news about those soon, possibly a D23 Expo this September. That said, our cruise aboard the Disney Wish was not a normal cruise. Some things were extremely normal, like the impeccable service from every crew member aboard. Oh my gosh. But our sailing was more of a test run than any kind of official first sailing. So please, please keep that in mind. Live shows were still in tech mode. We didn't really have traditional programming like bingo and activities. And the Aqua Mouse, the onboard water slide experience, was real touch and go. It broke down often often, and the water features on the incline tunnel were either turned off for our on-ride videos or simply not working, which made the animated Mickey and Minnie clips, which I adore, by the way, they're in the style of the new shorts, it made them just kind of like passive entertainment and not at all interactive as promised. Now, this is not atypical, especially when something is this new and this innovative and, as reported back in February, known to be working with a delay. 12 sailings of the Disney Wish were scheduled as early as June 9th and then canceled due to pandemic-related disruptions, as reported by USA Today. So I'm going to give Cruise Line the benefit of the doubt that everything will be in ship shape once the maiden voyage leaves later this month with its first paying guests. A perfect example of this is Uncharted Adventure, the new digital game on board that I playtested while there and absolutely Loved. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. We were only able to participate in specific challenges and did so on a loaner phone, but the tech we did experience was exceptional. This process is not atypical. We used loaner phones to access the same Play Disney Parks app for our Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser visit, which is what Uncharted Adventure runs on. But it's worth mentioning to emphasize that this was a media preview, not a full-fledged cruise. And I'd have much more to say about things like the Little Mermaid stage show or this game specifically if I had experienced them more in depth. So if details seem a little thin about that, that's why. Now, of course, if things aren't completely done by the time paying guests are on board, we have a problem. But if everything does work when they launch, as it seems to be lining up to do, oh my gosh, the first few guests are going to be blown away. But this ship 
This ship is excellent. Abandoning the nautical touches from previous interior designs, it leans into bold colors, bright textures, and a modern look that I think will age very well. I've been, I don't know, poking around on the website, looking at available sailings on all five ships since I returned home because I really want to go back, and... I gotta tell you, the decor on the older ship simply does not compare. I looked at some of the room interiors on the older ones, and I would not be happy having seen the newest ship. This one is sleek, adding an extra elegance, and dare I say it about a Mickey Mouse-themed cruise ship at sea, a bit of luxury. Still, if you have sailed Disney Cruise Line before, the biggest difference you'll notice about this ship, beyond the color palette or the second movie theater or the rainforest room relaxation space having an outdoor section, is that the ship layout has been completely reinvented for the Disney Wish. And I mean completely. They've blown up the adult dining district concept that Disney Cruise Line is known for, and while on other Disney ships, bars will be siphoned away from the general public, on the Wish, bars and lounges, some of which are still adults only at nighttime, are spread throughout. I found this to be so jarring at first, just because it was the opposite of what I was used to, but I very quickly grew to love it. It is weird that they hide away themed spaces for adults who do things at night as though we're up to something naughty. Sometimes you just want to sit in a cool space with your family and order a Diet Coke or a Zero Proof cocktail, which they have plenty of. So after the initial layout shock wore off, I wound up very, very happy with this thoughtful shift. There are also way more bars than ever before. Like a lot. Multiple on atrium floors. My analytical journalist brain notices how important parks revenue now is to the bottom line of the entire company, and making surcharge drinks readily available throughout the ship is absolutely a design move to increase spending by making it more and more convenient. But experientially, it's awesome. <laughs> Profits aside, uh, I didn't have coffee the first day, and the second day until the late afternoon, because I thought I'd have to track down Cove Cafe and simply never made it there, not realizing I could get espresso at all these bars all over the ship. It was right in front of my face, and once I knew, it was extremely convenient. They even added this little uh, this little coffee bar shop, coffee shop lounge thing to the front of Marceline's Market, the all-day buffet restaurant, which is a clutch move for family breakfast. Another change that has been more passionately discussed, I'll say, is the removal of a midship elevator lobby. Most Disney sailings have three stairwells and elevator banks, while the Disney Wish has two. This means you're likely to be walking further, which on one hand exposes you to places you may not have seen before. But it's a shift that a friend rightfully pointed out as potentially being very problematic for anyone with mobility issues. But really, the wayfinding you may have amassed from past Disney cruises is not applicable here. It is not the easiest ship to find your way around. By day three, I'd kind of gotten the hang of it, but it really never felt like second nature to me. And the search for certain spaces at times left me a little discombobulated. There are maps readily available, and for someone like me, I loved that feeling of exploration, but I couldn't tell you where anything is off the top of my head, and you'd think I'd know considering I never left the ship. Same goes with the newfangled elevator buttons, if y'all haven't heard about these. I didn't know until the final day of our sailing that the reason they didn't work, they made you feel like your fingers weren't real, was because you didn't have to push them. You just hover your finger in front of it, and it offers a touchless selection of your floor. 
Listen, it's cool. And it's a great way to stop the spread of germs, which Disney Cruise Line is very good about. They make you wipe or wash your hands prior to entering any restaurant. You don't serve yourself any food. They serve it for you. But these elevator buttons? Okay, if someone, if the elevator's packed and someone leans too close to it, every floor is automatically selected. (laughs) And how would you know? How is this being communicated to guests? No clue. Everyone I know found out about it by word of mouth. But the weird automatic touchless buttons are just a small contradictory flip side to so many other good additions to their fleet that has not yet been seen before. Disney Wish also sees the first family-friendly quiet space, which is particularly noteworthy for any children or adults who desire a sensory-friendly space or for whom the main pools on the central deck are too overwhelming. In friend of the podcast, Jeffrey Epstein's cover story for D23 Magazine, he spoke to a senior creative director at Walt Disney Imagineering about Chippendale's pool on Deck 14, which was purpose-built as a secluded family area, which allows folks to enjoy their cruise in a less hectic environment. On a personal note, I went to this space and I didn't see anyone there. So I really think the seclusion is going to be incredible for people who are seeking that out. But the biggest shift that remains is probably the atrium. This gilded grand hall, complete with a golden Cinderella statue, is the heart of this ship. But unfortunately, we never really got a good feel for how it's going to be utilized. Because it was a media trip and the focus was on broadcast reporting and official content gathering, there were no scheduled atrium meet and greets before or after our meals, no live performances on the fancy new stage that was purpose-built for this area. And because of that, our energy wasn't directed towards this large-scale gathering space that is pretty essential to the ship experience. So I can't really opine on how well it worked or not. What I will say is the space is beautiful and it made it really easy and convenient to move between those three decks that are featured there. I assume it'll be utilized much, much, much more on a traditional trip. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But most importantly, it was such a good experience. It was so good. The spaces are new and shiny and nice and beautiful, and the staff is so friendly and helpful and goes out of their way to be accommodating. It felt so nice to be in a Disney bubble where things just worked well in order to make sure guests are at ease. And what I didn't anticipate is how our sailing on the Disney Wish really emphasized how burdensome it has become to visit a Disney theme park. Given that I had not cruised since prior to the pandemic, I found the experience to be in such stark contrast to what you get these days at Walt Disney World specifically. Here, you are taken care of. You don't have to wake up early to save pool chairs or race to breakfast before a morning activity or even stay glued to your phone. And it's always been that way, and I've always appreciated that, but it wasn't until boarding the ship 24 hours after using Genie Plus in the parks, a day that started so early after a long travel day, that it tipped me into a level of sleepiness I couldn't shake for days and left me stressed and glued to my phone from start to finish, that the essence of a cruise really stuck with me afterwards. And remember, I was working the entire time and barely had a moment free before the evening hours. So imagine if I was actually on vacation. Visiting Disney's parks and cruise ships back-to-back just emphasized how one really is moving further and further away from being a leisure time activity. The idea of being immediately scooped up and out of office bliss from the moment you arrive, additional surcharges feeling like a choice instead of an obligation, ease being a reward for early planning. Those used to be pillars of the Disney parks experience, and they currently only live on at Disney Cruise Line. 
What I'm about to say is a massive writer's faux pas, but I see no way around it. (laughs) So here goes. Vacation is defined as, oh my God, I feel like my degree is being digitally removed from my LinkedIn as I speak, as an extended period of leisure and recreation, especially when spent away from home or in traveling. And while most of that is true for a visit to a theme park, the leisure bit, it's long gone. The days of your bags magically being checked at your home airport and arriving in your room, transportation without worry from the moment you arrive on site, simple things like that don't exist anymore. Now you may be schlepped to a hotel, you pay for a ride, you wake up each morning at 7 a.m., which you don't have to do, no, 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 but don't you want your family to have the best time possible? You spend your day refreshing your phone, booking return time, setting alarms for when you can choose a new attraction, in addition to keeping yourself busy since you can't move between parks at your leisure. All to hit the hay and wake up at the crack of dawn to do it all again tomorrow. I love Disney theme parks. It's why I do this job and why I have for over seven years now. I think they have an amazing product, incredible attractions, and an interesting, robust mix of technology and cinema and animation and characters and synergy and excellent storytelling that simply has not been replicated by anyone else ever throughout time. But after disembarking this ship, It's hard not to acknowledge that the bang you get for your buck, specifically in terms of vacation, feels much stronger here on Disney Cruise Line. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but it needs to be said. Earlier this year, Christine McCarthy, the chief financial officer of the Walt Disney Company, said on an earnings call in regards to Disney Genie Plus and the Lightning Lane system that some people have more money than they have time, and others have more time than they have money. But none of these Disney experiences we're talking about can really be considered inexpensive. Cruises, inclusive of lodging and dining and entertainment, are costly. Theme parks with admission and food and on-property hotel stays are costly. It's not a matter of time and money, really. You need a decent amount of it to do any of this. But unlike the parks, where you'll often find yourself spending extra on Genie Plus or individual Lightning Lane so that your family gets more worth out of the price of admission, the amount you'll spend to board a cruise like this is not a sunken cost. It includes almost everything, and there's next to nothing on board that costs more money that isn't deeply optional. A fancier dinner at Palo Steakhouse, an old-fashioned, a matcha latte, a massage. These things aren't available because your trip will simply not be as good without them. They're just extra offerings, enhancements if you choose to take part. A popcorn before watching Lightyear or gelato from the Inside Out themed scoop shop isn't going to break your budget or change the trajectory of your day aboard the ship. But at Disney World, Not opting in means waiting in long lines in the heat, wasting time, and ultimately being able to do less on your vacation, quite literally yielding a less successful visit. I never really considered myself a cruise person, even though I've been on all of Disney Cruise Line's ships. And we are We are really in the weeds here in terms of comparing two very, very different things. But the value inherent in a Disney Cruise Line sailing makes more sense to me now than ever before. It is not the same experience as the parks. I will say that from the jump. It is starkly different and on a more minimal level in terms of attractions and theming, of course. But if I'm out here going on a Disney vacation to experience a bit of Marvel, Pixar, Star Wars, if I'm going to have a special character meal, to be entertained by a stage show, to have my kids meet Mickey Mouse, and most importantly, to use my precious vacation days on a vacation, 
Disney Cruise Line shines brighter in my book after this sailing. And again, yes, we are comparing apples to oranges. But if the discussion is about which fruit is most ripe and worth eating, it's necessary and one worth having. Because while I love the parks, they are not making it easy to love them lately. A brand new attraction that's spectacular, like Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, is a slam dunk for me. I adore it. But its praise is burdened by the challenges of Virtual Queue, whose 7 a.m. and 1 p.m. and convoluted evening drops for the deluxe hotel hours that many people don't even know about is even more tricky to plan around when you have to declare your intention to visit a specific park in advance and cannot move over until the virtual spots are likely to be sold out. I discussed this in last week's Mishmash episode, but the parks have a problem ahead of them. They can't continue to be more expensive and more difficult to visit than ever before. We are reaching a breaking point when it comes to the theme park experience, even for a fan like myself. And after seeing the newest, savviest experience Disney has put forth at this moment in time, I feel that even more. Disney Wish as a whole is by far the best thing Disney Cruise Line has ever done, and signals to a really, really bright future ahead for their forthcoming ships. I'm impressed with the Disney Wish, beyond impressed, actually. But as a theme park fan, I found myself more fulfilled by a cruise line experience than ever before. And that's saying something, considering I barely even went on the Aquamouse, their only true ride-like attraction. Before we go further into breaking down everything on the ship, I gotta stress to you that I was not expecting to come in here and say endlessly positive things about this new ship. For the time it took to roll this out, the fact that two more are right behind it and we'd seen almost nothing, legitimately next to nothing, prior to the day we sailed, I was not sold on this being great. I was apprehensive. I love Disney Cruise Line, but it's not my thing. I rarely sail. It's not what I dedicate my time to. I have a nice time whenever I'm here, sure, but I'm never proselytizing a cruise over a visit to the parks, which for me are the crown jewel of the Walt Disney Company. For the Disney wish to earn high praise, I needed to be wowed. And they wowed me. Now, nothing's perfect, and it's me, so I absolutely have critiques, but what you're about to hear is not hyperbole. It is deeply genuine and a reflection of them making specific choices and pulling them off. When Disney does something I don't agree with, I'm the first to make it abundantly clear. But when they knock it out of the park, my job demands I devote the same energy to that as well. The Disney wish is good. It's real good. And I can't wait to get back on as soon as humanly possible. We're going to take a short break and be right back with highlights of every inch of this ship, what you need to know before boarding, and what I really thought of all of it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. 
FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Welcome back. We are going to get into every detail of every space of this ship that you need to know about. There is so much that really can't be told through a reel or a photo or a video. And so I'm going to break it all down for you and let you know the most important information, the best intel I picked up on the ship, and what I genuinely think about a lot of different facets of this ship. Yes, I loved the Disney wish, but that does not mean it is impervious to critique. And we are going to get into all of that right now. Let's begin with the pools on board. The main outdoor space exists on Deck 11 in front of Funnel Vision, which is what we call the large screen that movies and other things are played on throughout the day. In lieu of a larger scale pool that kids flop around in, there is a selection of small little pools in varying depth. The video that I posted on Instagram of me being the first adult in the pool, that was in one of these. There's also a Toy Story Splash Zone and Slidosaurus Rex, both of which are very cute, but are also behind the main pool area, separate from the main section, which is a bit confusing. They were also non-operational during our visit, so I couldn't really check them out up close. But when I say it's confusing, I mean it. I meant to cut through towards the main deck past here and instead wound up backed into a series of stairs that led nowhere but to cast member spaces, which is pretty strange. We've already discussed that Chippendale's Quiet Pool, which is far from here, offers a more relaxing option for anyone who craves that. But we gotta talk about the Aqua Mouse. The main attraction here on the Disney Wish felt more like a water slide than a water coaster. I really thought that with that tall incline tunnel, this one would be a rollicking good time. But it was really kind of uneven. Once you crawl to the top, it's just... Float a little, be overwhelmed by water. Float a little, be overwhelmed by water. It just felt like you were being overtaken, not really riding it fluidly. If you go back and watch that ride video that I posted, you can kind of see what I mean. I liked it, sure, but it didn't blow me away. And I think I still prefer the Aqueduct water coaster on Disney Cruise Line's dream and fantasy ships over this. The tube that takes you out over the water is so beautiful, and I loved that portion of the ride, but the entire experience as a whole is very short to me and, like, kind of unfulfilling, because ours wasn't even fully operational. The water features in the incline tunnel were not turned on, but 
Even once I did get to board, it didn't beat the coaster-like mechanics of the Aqueduct, even with those new character integrations by way of Mickey Mouse shorts. And last but not least, there is a quiet cove infinity pool on the back of the ship, which is exclusive to adults. The adult-only spaces are very different on this ship, but even still, their dedicated sun deck looked great. The loungers, the chairs, the seating, all of the furniture is fancy as could be. Oh my gosh, really upscale hotel kind of furniture. Really, really nice stuff. And while I didn't have time to experience it firsthand beyond just touring these spaces, there are a few things I'll point out here as immediately wonky. An adults-only area exists on all Disney Cruise Line ships, which I think is so brilliant. But here on The Wish, it's on the same deck as the Aquamouse. Because of this, you can only enter the adult area from one direction on one side of the ship. So it's kind of hidden and pretty tricky to find. A friend of mine who did spend time up here also told me that you can hear the Aquamouse exit audio repeatedly from some of the lounge space, which really is is not ideal for adult relaxation. The adults-only hot tub, on the other hand, is also kind of awkwardly on the other side, just like tucked away strangely away from the pool. But then again, the hot tub placement in Disney Cruise Line's adults-only areas has always been odd, in my opinion. It previously was next to those windows. You know what I mean? Just felt, just felt a little weird. It was a weird vibe. But the pool itself is a massive improvement, an infinity-edged one overlooking the back of the ship that provided a beautiful view over Castaway Key. When I breezed by, it was a bit like human soup, but I guess in a way that's just a sign of it being in demand and good. Another popular location in the adults-only area is Cove Cafe. On the rest of DCL's fleet, the beloved coffee shop has the vibe of, I'd say, a leathery brown cigar bar, sand smoking, and was always a nice little getaway directly across from the quiet Cove pool. It's Disney, but not overwhelmingly so, and quite nice. But here, Cove Cafe is on the side, so you feel annexed and not part of what's happening outside the doors, which I didn't quite love. The Moana-inspired decor touches are brilliantly done, and it's a lovely space for getting away from it all. If you're the type of person who wants to read a book and have a coffee, this is going to be for you. But I do not anticipate visiting this space as frequently as I have on the other ships. Also worth noting, the main specialty coffees here are coffee cocktails and a robust menu of hot coffee preparations. That's great, but considering that one direction entry, it's all so out of the way that I don't anticipate coming up here in the morning or until it's way too late in the day to be having a hot coffee. One tip, I did find iced coffee concoctions like Vietnamese coffee and Turkish coffee and Thai iced coffee and Wishing Star Cafe off the main atrium, which I recommend and will likely frequent more often. Which takes us, of course, to dining and drinking on the Disney Wish. There are plenty of places to get cocktails, alcoholic or not, while on board, but we're going to focus on the main three, starting with Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge. I know this is a space that most people are looking forward to, and it's pretty good. It's a taste of the Star Wars Culinary Cantina universe, and I think they accomplished an accurately themed space for being on a ship. That said, it is small and a bit bare bones, but personally, it really fulfilled on everything I expected from it. Again, we're on a cruise ship. It's not going to be a bar on par with the one inside Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser or Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but I think it works, and not just because they actually mix 
drinks here, unlike the pre-batched sugary ones at Oga's Cantina in the parks, which yes, I still have a vendetta against. Expect to have something like Aspire Sunset, a fruit-based cocktail with dry gin, kumquat, lychee, and coconut, or The Golden One, which Disney Food Blog compared to a boozy creamsicle. I personally didn't spend much time in the space beyond a few set work events, so just keep that in mind. There are a few cases of Star Wars accoutrements, some booths and stools and tables and a bar that features Arabesh on all of the bottles, which really sells the idea. But the big takeaway is the large-scale media screen. If you're familiar with Skyline Bar, whose video panels give you a view out into metropolitan cities around the world, this kind of does the same, but with a view out onto space. It's many vessels, and it even does a sideways jump into hyperspace, which is fun and cool. And you know what? It works. I was not asking too much of this bar, and I think they did a good job delivering what we wanted, a Star Wars-themed space. They did it. I'm happy with it, even if some other people didn't seem to agree with me. Now, I am not yet sure if there's going to be a reservation system or what demand will actually be like on a typical cruise, but... It's tight in there. Uh, Kids are allowed during the day and it switches to adults only at night. But even on our sailing, the chaos of trying to get in because it was blocked out for shooting and filming all day was too much for me. So I kind of opted out to focus on all the other spaces. I recommend you check back to other sites like Disney Food Blog to see what the process is moving forward if you are sailing in the coming months. And yes, because we have to discuss it. There is a $5,000 cocktail. And no, I will not be saying anything else about it because it's a ridiculous stunt and I simply do not care. My job is to help you decide if this trip is right for you and to recommend specific things. And if you have $5,000 to blow on some weird and pointless way for the Walt Disney Company to boost revenue for sailing, then use it on Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which is a much better use of that coin. The headache of getting in here was satiated by other great spaces like Nightingale's, a snazzy little piano bar that served this Hendrix-based passion fruit drink out of a little glass bird, which was great. Uh, a friend of mine pointed out that when you drink out of it, you're kind of drinking out of the bird's butt, but I, I think that's pretty funny. There's also The Bayou, a Princess and the Frog-inspired lounge that is open to the passing walkways and is just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. A ceiling full of flowers, a makeshift stage space, and lush green velvet booths really just hit the vibe, as well as small statuettes honoring some of the film's characters. I highly recommend spending time there, for sure, because it is so lovely. But while you're there, I do not recommend getting the beignets. They are in upcharge, and I did not like them. The chocolate sauce in them was great, but the donut itself? Just, just don't. There's much better desserts on this ship that are included for free, and so I would stick to those. Disney Cruise Line pioneered the idea of rotational dining, which means instead of one multi-level dining room a la Titanic, I'm sorry, that's the first thing that comes to mind, there are individual themed restaurants that guests move between each night, with their waitstaff following them between locations. I know I should not have made a Titanic joke, but that's the best point of reference I have to it. I can't just reference the one Royal Caribbean ship I went on growing up. It's a dining room like Titanic. You know what? It is what it is. These ships float. Don't worry about it. The Disney Wish features three main restaurants. 1923, an ode to both Walt and Roy Disney in the animation they pioneered in Disney's early days, honoring 16 different films in all. There's also Arendelle, a frozen dining adventure, which sees you attending an engagement party celebration thrown by Oaken for Queen Anna and Kristoff with appearances by Elsa and Olaf. 
Welcome to Arendelle and the enchanted engagement party of our worthy and wonderful Queen Anna of Arendelle and her undeniably ordinary mountain man, Christoph, hosted by my very own hearty party planning services. Hope to see you soon. And last but not least, Worlds of Marvel, a quantum technology showcase hosted by Ant-Man and the Wasp with special appearances from other Marvel characters. Tonight, through the power of quantum science, we will show you how together we can change the world. Yeah. Now, look, don't worry, kids. Quantum science sounds overwhelming, but trust me, it is. <laughs> These are quantum cores, cutting-edge technology that for the first time allows us to specifically target our pin particles to shrink or grow just about anything. Please don't get any crumbs up. Now, to let you know from the get-go, I never ate at 1923, sadly, so I have nothing to share on it, but I did dine at the other two. And I'll say, the themed restaurant experience across the realm of Disney Cruise Line ships is really excellent across the board. So if you're going on another ship, don't be bummed. You'll still be thrilled. But while I liked the experience at World of Marvel and Arendelle about equally, I preferred the food at the latter. World of Marvel show scenes beyond the Thanos theory, wink, wink, that I posted about, which unexpectedly went viral on TikTok, like big time viral. It was pretty wild. Uh, those show scenes were so brilliantly entertaining and well acted that I don't even know how to explain it to you without ruining it. And I'm trying not to, but it was very, very good. Paul Rudd is exceptional in them and so extremely funny. And I'm not talking charming or haha funny. The jokes in this landed. People were laughing out loud, myself included, and I really adored it. It brought a different kind of energy that I haven't experienced in a meal on Disney Cruise Line before, and I loved being in that Lil Marvel bubble. The whole quantum core thing on your table, which uses PIM technology to shrink and grow items, though, was a total flop. It is an absolute ruse. So don't get too excited about that like I did, even if I did enjoy the entire experience and the theming and their performances as a whole. Long story short, a muffin is not going to go tiny big on your table, and you shouldn't even be dreaming about it, even though they sold us a false bill of goods with the marketing for this restaurant for months. Just trust me on that one. The restaurant is still great. Ah, but nothing's going big to small, and it's a real bummer. Now, the food was good. There's nothing I didn't like. It just, it didn't leave me desperate for more. But it seems I may have skipped the best item, a sticky date pudding at dessert. So if you do attend, be sure to try that. Arendelle, on the other hand really nails it on the details. The lengthy hallway into the restaurant is flocked by columns and decorated brilliantly, full of patterns with oil paintings of characters, both familiar and not. The restaurant itself, on the other hand, is jam-packed with the most robust colors, from painted details on the ceiling and bright sunny emblems on the back of wooden chairs. I had the opportunity to do an interview in this space while it was closed, it was just during the day and they were not open, and I was really able to take in the sights and appreciate how stunning this restaurant is. It's quite beautiful, really, and the show elements are so well executed. Instead of that regular old ride through the frozen music we all know and love and are a little bit exhausted by, they're reinterpreted by two live singers, one with a guitar, performing these songs in a way that feels more like 
dinner theater than anything else. Oaken also walks through the restaurant with Olaf, who's really there in the room, bringing him close to your table as he's paraded throughout. If you like character dining, Disney Cruise Line does a great job. But if your kids are frozen freaks, they're going to eat this up. And not just kids. If you love Frozen 2, this one's for you. One thing I do want to note that I experienced at both restaurants is that not all of the drinks and beers specifically were available on our sailing. So keep that in mind if you happen to be going in the next few weeks. Disney Wish also features restaurants that require an additional charge to attend. Here, Italian restaurant Paolo, which appears on each DCL vessel, is a steakhouse inspired by Cogsworth. Vaguely, of course. It's not like filled with clocks and ticking nonstop. But that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? The adults-only restaurant is $45 for a four-course menu, but offers loads of a la carte options, like Snake River Farms American Wagyu for $20 and $30, and a Japanese A5 Wagyu strip loin for $45, which all said and done is not so bad. The souffle is famous for good reason, though $10 a la carte for that souffle? Feels a bit steep, but regardless, it is a lovely dining experience, and I always leave pleased that I chose to dine there. Paulo also has brunch, which I somehow have still never been to, but is beloved by Disney Cruise Line fans. And then there's Enchante, the crown jewel of the ship. This fine dining, adults-only restaurant offering dinner, brunch, and a, a strange little dessert course in, I guess, the late afternoon that seems a bit odd to me. I don't know. It's like American tea time. Who knows? Is exceptional and thoughtful, rivaling any tasting course menu from any high-end restaurant in any major metropolitan city. Trust me when I tell you, you will not be disappointed if you are into this kind of fine dining. One thing of note, everyone from Disney to media to everyone else keeps calling Chef Arnaud Lallemand a three Michelin star chef, but that's not, that's not a thing. The restaurant retains the Michelin star ranking, in this case, La Siette Champenois, but not the chef. Regardless, <laughs> that remains my only picky critique of this perfect dining experience. It was wonderful. I opted for the smaller of the two tasting menus, which was $125, a lot of money, and my mom ordered two a la carte dishes instead, totaling $70, which was not enough food, so keep that in mind if you plan on going. I'll be reporting on this restaurant at length for Eater, but it was fantastic. Transportative, really, and if anyone you know thought Disney Cruise Line was just a bunch of Mickey Mouse waffle slop and weird little entertainment, this place single-handedly shuts that down. It's most easily comparable to Remy, the fine dining French restaurant. Arnaud also created for the dream and the fantasy. But this one just feels so much more elegant. The marble tabletops, the small intimate space, only 10 tables in the main dining section, along with the views and the furniture were flawless. Even during the day when I saw a tour while we were in dock at Castaway Key, the views were stunning. There's also very little Disney in here, beyond a nod to Lumiere on both the sconce and the entryway and this freaky-deaky clippin' menu thing. But the place was Disney in quality and service. I'll admit it, I go to obnoxious restaurants a lot. I love a tasting menu. I love fancy multi-hour meals. I just want to eat all day, so it's a dream for me. And this was as impressive as a meal I'd expect to have on land in a major metropolitan city like Los Angeles or New York or Paris. 
If you do plan on dining here, allow me just to flag this for scheduling purposes. The meal took a long time and I saw multiple patrons, multiple different tables, get up and go somewhere to do something, perhaps to see a show and then return for dessert later. So don't plan to see anything after an early reservation or make it in time to pirate night if your meal starts late. The Rose, the bar that connects these two restaurants, is the ship's version of Meridian. I loved how Meridian had that outdoor seating section towards the back of the ship on Fantasy and Dream, and this one is more of a narrow entryway bar. But alas, I seem to be the only one who feels that way and is bummed about that. I only had one drink from here, some kooky old-fashioned with a chocolate-covered orange slice? Wild. But if you want a nice, elegant drink at around the same price point as all the other drinks on the ship... Come here. They have a great menu, and if I had time, I would have tried it all, since I've only heard rave reviews from friends and colleagues. Other dining choices aboard include Festival of Foods, which offers the incredible Donald's Cantina, and a barbecue joint that will have you shocked at the quality of what you will be technically eating poolside. It's not right that food is too good to be served by a pool. We are so blessed with this new ship. While Marceline Market removes the chaos that was Cabana's, the all-day eatery on Disney Cruise Line's other ships. That place... I don't know, it always had like a I'm wet from the pool vibe, and Marceline Market really infuses a nice refined option for buffet-style dining. One thing I've learned, too, while refreshing my memory of the other cruise spaces while preparing this episode, is how dated some of these spaces on the other ships are. Oh my lord! Marceline's is streamlined and, yes, airs on the modern hotel redesign aesthetic end, but I really enjoyed it. And looking at some of these other photos of the other ships, having not been on them in a long time, especially some of the rooms... Oh boy, I am definitely a Disney Wish kind of gal. The Inside Out theme sweet shop is great too, but I'm not going to be out here recommending it beyond spending time in there. I love the look of it. I love the interiors, but I don't know. I think gelato sucks. (laughs) I don't love it. I didn't like this gelato. I'm not impressed by the desserts here, and I don't think they're worth the money. Stick to the food they got on the ship. It's quite good. The soft serve was incredible. Um, Speaking of the space, as part of the Uncharted Adventure activity that I did, that updated version of Midship Detectives Agency, we actually got to change some of the decor within this space. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to say what we did. But that's just one of the interactive things we got to do with this Play Disney Parks app game. This thing is really the crown jewel of interactivity in terms of gaming aboard, and I am so excited to uncover everything you can do once it's fully functional. I think they told us there are a hundred different things that can happen. A hundred! And from what we experienced, catching virtual fireflies in the hallway next to a princess in the frog painting, changing the lamps in Hook's Barbary, when this thing is fully charged, people are going to be shell-shocked. I even read in Jeffrey's D23 Magazine story that you can change the lights on the Aquamouse as part of this? Oh my gosh, I wish I could give you more details, but I actually hopped into a friend's vlog about it, so stay tuned for that first-hand look where you can see me actually playing it. It's so much fun. Oh my god, it's so much fun. In an effort to keep you from listening to 19 hours discussing every single detail of every single corner of the ship, I'm going to speed things up a bit. We got to talk about live theater, people. We saw two stage shows. The first was Seize the Adventure, hosted by Goofy. Goofy! And it sees Goofy, Goofy! 
Oh my god, I love Gooby. Traveling through different films and interacting with different characters like Merida and Tiana. And I'm not going to lie to you, it was maybe the best production I've ever seen Disney do. We were blown away. We did a standing ovation. We were screaming. We were clapping. I think one of us may have lost their voice from cheering at this show. So I cannot exaggerate to you enough. If you go on this ship, you must see this show and you must tell me how much you love it because I love it so much and I just want you to enjoy it as well. There's so much I want to tell you about it and I don't want to ruin it. But all I'm going to say is the Tiana segments. Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. Also, everyone in this show is so talented in a way that it doesn't make sense. You'd expect like, maybe there's like two strong singers. No, everyone has a killer goosebump inducing voice. They're incredible. The show is stellar. Oh my God, it's bonkers. And then the second show we saw were a few segments from their Little Mermaid show, which is close to being finalized. And those were also incredible. During an under the sea moment, almost everyone on stage had puppets and oh my god puppets there were like shells and there were little eyes and they were so cute it's so good it's so good it's so good it's so good i would go back in the ship truly just to eat a few meals and go see the shows that's how good it was staterooms next to no complaints they're well appointed and offer different themes to different disney films like cinderella and moana which appear to be done by floor but the in-room decor is minimal it's not beating you over the head with the disney of it all but i won't lie i could have used a little more theming i would have just liked to be embraced by it a bit more our moana room was limited to a couple pieces of artwork but with a redesign to remove cabinetry shelving that made the space feel cramped before it in general felt very open the Closet doors are a little weird, a series of three sliding panels that always bump into each other, but the vanity, its expansive shelving, and even the pull-out refrigerator drawer were all appreciated. The couch, which houses a pull-out bed, was extremely firm, so be warned. And the counter space in the toilet half of the bathroom, because on Disney Cruise Line, they ingeniously split the bathrooms into a toilet room and a shower room, making it so much easier to get ready in the morning. On the toilet half, the shelving was somewhat laughable. Sorry I assigned you to that one, Mom. But with the fret linens, black towels for makeup remover, and unbelievable attentiveness from the staff... I really don't have complaints. Okay, I do have one. There is this weirdly large mirror that's next to the couch that's weirdly large. But hey, a big full-length mirror is never something I envisioned I'd see in a cruise room, let alone complain about. So it's kind of moot. The ship does not have mini golf or goofy sports deck and instead offers an indoor sports court that features an inflatable Incredibles theme obstacle course on certain times and days. In lieu of a proper walking track, there's... A convoluted jogging track with two staircases in the middle of it? I sent my mom out to find the track, and that's what she reported back with, uh, much to my shock. So, I don't know. Seems like a really bad move for something people like to enjoy using here to just plop, uh, I don't know, uh, um, an automatic Stairmaster within a jogging track. Don't know why it's there. That seems like poor planning, which they would have just given people what they want, which is an easy way to run in a circle. Yet, on the other hand, they've made other really great design decisions that I never foresaw them doing. They moved the salon and barbershop to other parts of the ship and away from Sense's Spa and gave them their own theming, which I think was a great choice and resonates so well. 
The slide down into the Oceaneers Club from the atrium, oh my god, is so much fun. And while I don't have too much to say about the kids' club specifically, because I don't have kids, and I'd feel really weird grilling someone else's to see what they did all day, what I did see from the Small World Nursery artwork to Star Wars, Marvel, and Imagineering-themed sections in the kids' club, oh my god, in the bathrooms, the cute bathrooms were so cute, it was all really well done. I sadly didn't experience the interactivity or the different activities these spaces had. Have, as it was mostly a tour, so keep that in mind. But to me, they looked great. We gotta talk about the COVID of it all. I do not have it, as far as I know. I continue to test negative. But as much as I think they did a great job here with the ship, you are extremely indoors for a long period of time with loads of people. So COVID will be present just like it is in offices and grocery stores and airplanes and literally everywhere on this planet because this pandemic is still somehow happening. And at this point, it's just weirdly the new normal. Disney Cruise Line did have us submit proof of vaccination and take a COVID test within 48 hours of departure, which I appreciate and felt possibly more comforted by than I should have, as it's a layer beyond what you'll get in the parks. But it is not foolproof. The current strain appears to take days to yield a positive test, and I wish they still did those day of tests in the port, because even though it's nerve-wracking to find out if you're going to make it on the ship that day— It allows for less possibility of people contracting it at home, having a negative test, but then having a viral load by the time they get on board and unwillingly spreading it to others. The crew, who I thought were not required to wear masks, were 100% masked on this trip. I assume this is because these first few sailings are so imperative and they need everyone to be healthy and they're just being cautious, which is great. I actually felt a little safer than I would have because of this, simply because it increased the base amount of people wearing masks on board. Number-wise, if they all had to wear masks, we had more people masked on the ship. But As you can expect, the majority of guests on board are maskless. Listen, you know I love a mask, but it's America in July 2022, so there shouldn't be much of a surprise there. Once they removed them on planes, all bets were off, and it's exactly what I expected it to be. But what I will say is that there are safer decisions to be made on board, and I felt comfortable wearing a mask the entire time if either of those are something you're interested in. I ate as many meals outdoors as possible. Marceline's Market, which is the all-day buffet, has outdoor seating all the way in the back, which I used for every meal there for breakfast and lunch. And Mickey and Friends Festival of Food, located on Deck 11 by the Funnels and Pools, also has semi-outdoor seating. I ate all of my non-dinner meals in those two locations, and I highly recommend seeking out that Marceline's Market outdoor seating, which can save you from multiple indoor dining hits. I knew, speaking of, that I'd be taking a hit on all three dinners because there's no way around them. I'm writing about a brand new cruise ship. I'm writing a story about food. Room service is not an option. But dinner restaurants like Arendelle and Worlds of Marvel have very tightly packed seating. This is my official warning. The tables are very close together, especially at Arendelle. Oh boy. I left my mask on for part of that meal, actually, because of it. But all said and done, I'd say I wore my mask about 80-85% of the time indoors. I left it on for interviews, meetings, panels, exploring, some meet and greets, but wound up removing it while taking a few quick photos, while being on camera in a video at those dinners, at one small get-together with friends that I knew I could contact trace with, and on the very last night at a bar with a couple of friends. At times, I drank coffee through a straw beneath my mask and brought soft serve back to my room, which again is optional, and I was happy to do it. But 
the cruise ship kind of poses the same or a similar risk to many of the spaces we exist in now do. I still avoid removing my mask at theme parks whenever possible, just to give you a a gauge of, of what I'm working with. I mean, a few days ago, I ate a piece of salmon at Columbia Harbor House underneath a mask. (laughs) Not gonna lie. But if you are considering going on a Disney cruise, you gotta give in a little because if you're gonna board the ship, it's gonna be the risk you take. What's really strange, though, is that going in, me, someone who is often masked, especially indoors, that to me, it's weird that character meetings are still distanced. I love me some COVID safety, but it seems real odd that on a big old box floating through the ocean, jam-packed with people, I simply cannot step one foot closer to Mickey Mouse or have a cast member take my photo with him on my phone. I don't know. I don't know. It seems strange. Again, I am pro-COVID safety, but if you can shove a bunch of people into a teeny tiny Star Wars bar, maskless, and you can't hug Goofy, the two of them don't really seem to make sense together. I'm sure there's a reason for this, but it's completely lost on me. Wi-Fi was available on the ship and worked exceptionally well, but I think that may have been specific to our cruise since we were fully booked with media. Packages weren't by megabyte, but by day, which is fantastic. Because if you're like me and have ever spent 10 bucks just to simply boot up Gmail, it can be a real bummer. It can be a real, real bummer. The internet was affordable and worth it if that's something that's important to you. So feel relieved because you'll be fine. There was a mix of traditional merchandise stores on board and high-end retail, which was kind of bonkers because when I say high-end retail, I mean high-end retail. There's a whole watch store, Scott Gustin's kid found a multi-million dollar necklace, and there's very quizzically an empty, half-empty store. I'll give them that half-empty store filled with designer handbags. I'm not kidding. There's like a lot of dead space and also Gucci and Alexander McQueen and Valentino purses. I don't know about you, but I'm not coming on a Disney cruise ship to buy a studded handbag. So it seems a little weird to me. Also, why wouldn't they stock Disney's high-end collabs like the one they have right now with Stella McCartney? That would work perfectly in there. It's weird, but it's not my problem. But it's weird. Essentially, this ship as a whole is a place that I love that I desperately hope to go back to. I've already been looking every few hours at cruise rates and dates, so it's a matter of when, not if. The ship as a whole takes inspiration from Disney films and characters and weaves them throughout, but it's never cheesy and never overdone. It's such a light touch, but everything remains familiar, and it's something that I think they excelled at and carried through the reason why this ship will be so successful. I hope I answered most of your questions. Again, please let me know on the Tro's hotline if I didn't. And now I'm going to talk through my trip with my guest of honor, my mom. Welcome to our Disney Wish episode. Hi, everybody. I'm here. I made it. I finally made it. Yay. My mom's on the podcast and we only have one mic and I hope this turns out okay. I'll talk it all loud and roll. Yeah, I'll get in there. I think it'll turn out fine. Okay, so we got on the boat. Oh my God. I don't even know know what what day it is. I have no idea what's going on. I think today's Friday. We got on Wednesday. Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Wednesday morning. Yeah. 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 A few of us were joking about how we keep calling it a weekend when it's not. It's the middle <laughs> the middle of the week back in the real world. Uh, but we are currently recording this on our last night. We are 
docked somewhere near Miami. We're like not docked, but we're at sea today. We didn't go to a second destination on uh, our final full day. We're just at sea. And I think we're parked. We're not moving, right? We're moving very slowly. We had come, we passed uh, Freeport Bahamas today. Okay. So we're on our way back, but I think they're going to go really fast tonight. They're taking a leisure route right now. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, they catch up as we lay down. Okay, cool. Well, uh, do you want to take it from the beginning or do you want to talk about your favorite stuff? Okay, I have so much. Start at the beginning because otherwise it'll okay. cut me off. Yeah. Um, we got on Wednesday. We got on at like two thirty, which was pretty early, which was great. Um, what was your first impression of the ship? I have been on many, many ships because that's all we did as yeah, kids. Royal we did Caribbean our vacations cruises. on Royal Caribbean cruises, and then I did some better ones with my husband later on in life. What do you mean? When did you do better cruises? We did the um, celebrity. We didn't oh, I you. forgot. Yeah, you didn't invite us. No, you yeah, you left not. us at home like Grandma watched us. Grandma watched you. Rude. Rude. It was too expensive. I wasn't taking you so you guys could like. Rude. Yeah. I wanted to relax. I wanted to mm. sun. I wanted to eat. Wow. Okay. So um, this was overwhelming because there's so many state-of-the-art things. Am I allowed to say some of the things on here? Yeah. Okay. So, of course, I have to do like what's really important to me. We went by the beauty shop. Yes. And I thought this was the coolest thing ever. You know how you have to get your head washed and you're sitting there with a cold head and then you got to wait for your girl to come and do your hair? Well, this is a portable sink. What? It comes up to you. You sit in the same chair as your hairdresser is doing your hair, but you tilt your head back and the sink comes to you and washes it. You tilt your head up and you're done. And then they can do your work. You don't have yeah. to sit around. You're not going to get a chill. It was amazing. I didn't even notice this. This is at a Rapunzel-themed salon. So the takeaway from a lot of people is like, cool, it's Rapunzel-themed. There's some artwork that's a little bit tangled. There's some floral decor. And my mom's like, is that a portable hair washing machine? <laughs> and I didn't even see it. And she she saw it. And I was like, that can't exist. But it does. It exists. It's crazy. I love that. I love the kids' room. They not not the just kids. the nursery. The nursery, oh my God, the nursery was to die for. Because I was a nursery school teacher, so I looked at all these things. And every inch of wall is covered either in a cognitive toy thing that you work with that something else happens when you move something. Mm-hmm. Or it's just a fun thing. There's like... These remember the mirrors where you look and then it makes you real tall and thin or real short. Oh, yeah, like a funhouse mirror. A funhouse mirror. Yeah. So we did that. There's like every cool brand new. There's like a, a rack of computers for kids to play on. It's so state of the art. I was overwhelmed. And then the babies, all the all the cribs oh were lined up in a little room with like wallpaper of stars and lights. Yeah. And then these big leather chairs for the whoever's watching the kids can sit in those. It was so It, it was, was so, so cute. I wanted to sleep. It's like in. it's a small world themed, but they incorporated all sorts of Disney and Pixar and Marvel properties. So I think you took a photo for my nephew for your yes. grandchild. Yes. You took a photo of it's like Spider Man but rendered in a way that feels very Mary was, Blair, very it's a small world. Yes. And he's just like over the nursery where it was baby Spider Man. It was baby it was so It was so cute. cute. Everything was cute. But it's not like you go on a cruise and then one floor has all the shops and that's it. And then you every floor has something. Almost every floor. Yeah. Like three, four, five, this. It was like yeah. everywhere you go, there's restaurants, there's bars. There's... It's amazing. And I also like that before you used to go like cattle into the main dining room and everybody yes. would have to like either go to the buffet or you go to your same table, your same thing, yeah. your same food. Here, there's three restaurants and you get to pick 
which one you want to go to beforehand. And it's wonderful. The food is fabulous. The entertainment is amazing. Yes. So dining, it's called rotational dining. It's something that I think Disney Cruise Line pioneered. Mm -hmm. And you go, there's different restaurants and your server staff follows you around. So you have the same people, but you have a different experience every night. And I thought the restaurants on this ship were way better than some of the other ones I've been to. Absolutely. Because the theming, they, it was, you know, it was purpose built. Like they created this space, created a space specifically to work within the Marvel stuff they were doing. They created the Arendelle restaurant, the frozen themed restaurant to be a theater in the round. So it was all like very much set up in a way where you could get the most out of the entertainment and the food together, which I loved. Love. Very so different restaurants. The entertainment was amazing. I mean, why you? I went and saw you at least ten times a year when you were living in New York, and we saw Broadway plays yeah. all the time. What I saw tonight and the other night in the in the Walt Disney Theater was beyond. I was misty eyed. I was laughing. I was clapping. It was a stand up applause at the end from everyone. It was so good. Yeah. I mean, so good. Yeah. And people like, you know, people love Disney Cruise Line because it offers a lot. There's the Disney brand that's enveloped in it. You have all the properties that you like. You can go to these themed dining experiences. Like, it's really good for families and kids and adults. But people are always like, the entertainment's great. But the entertainment was great. Like, the it entertainment was, was, Overwhelming. was exceptionally good. Yeah. Yes, it was It was good. I Everything. did not expect that I would walk away and be like, when you go on this cruise, don't miss the theater shows. See, now dad would always miss those. Yeah, and I'm well, like, sometimes he's like, oh, I want to see a musical. Oh, this was spectacular. Was so I want to see it again. It was so, I can't believe how good it was. We saw Seize the Adventure, which was a goofy-led show, yeah, yes. which um, took you through different popular Disney and Pixar character worlds. And then tonight we wasn't we didn't see the complete show. We saw part of their A Little Mermaid show, and there were outstanding. What like a dozen puppets on stage? There was every puppet you can think of, oh my and God. and it was funny because the person who had the puppet was making this like when the when yeah. Sebastian closed his eyes, they closed yeah. their eyes. I yeah, mean, it was so good. And thank goodness yeah. for Jeffrey, who was like, "We're getting there early both uh, nights." Okay, we all got there early, and we had the best seats, and we saw it up close, which I highly recommend. Jeffrey was a genius to do that, and like because we were all sitting there together up close, like it was fun, and we enjoyed it. it a little group and you could see everything i could see there was um there was some fish playing shells you yes, know like yes, which happens yes. in little mermaid and inside the shell were these little eyes and then there was someone else who had it must have been a clam or something there's a little bug there's yeah, a little bug little in bug. there oh my it god was it was, it was... you would not notice it unless you were right. in the first five rows and Correct. there was this little bug that was inside that was just bopping around and then bubble and the bubbles, there the were bubbles, bubbles coming out of everywhere. Everywhere, um, sparkling things of light. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I will never go away without Jeffrey Epstein. I oh, never. absolutely adore never. him. Adore him. Yeah, yeah, he's like our personal ship captain. Yes, he's <laughs> from Love Boat, Julie. He's, he <laughs> oh, does, I don't know that He show. plans all... Oh, you don't... Oh, oh no. God, I'm am sorry. I sorry. Oh, it was a love called The Love Boat. You remember no, The Love Boat? No. I feel like you've done this before. I feel like you've gone on this podcast before and mentioned a Love Boat. Okay, that's my era. But that's what I can like compare it to, and there's always like one person who gets everybody together and does yeah, it. Yeah, and it's Jeffrey Epstein, yeah, the coordinator. I love it. <laughs> uh, but the show, like, truly, if this Little Mermaid show was at a Disney park, people would be raving about it. Oh my! Oh, absolutely! It was so good. It was so good. It was like, great. It was great. It was the highlight. Seriously. Yeah. Um, my mom did not go on the Aqua Mouse. I went on the Aqua Mouse. No, but I filmed it. You did film it. My mom found me. My mom, the powerful Jewish mother she is. 
found me at the christening ceremony at, during the live stream. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, sent wait. Sent me a zoomed in, frightening <laughs> photo that's just me as a blur in a poncho. Okay, let me, but there were thousands of people. Thousands of people. I don't Okay, so this is what happened. So I Carly, I guess everyone in media gets to go first and see the show. So I was on a bus, so I come a couple hours later yeah. and I, I screened it on my phone. And I'm looking, so every time they show the audience, I would click, 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 click. So I had an hour 10 ride, and I went through all my pictures, oh my and God. I, fu- with a mask, in the rain. Okay, I found in a you. mask. I was outside in a mask, in a poncho, with an umbrella over my legs, because I didn't want to block anyone's view behind me. And she found me. I also found you at the Grammys. Did you? Yes, I yeah. did. Well, and then- you were, yeah. Was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, I did. did. Yeah. I find I, everybody. I, I don't I, know how we did not have great. Seats. I put a chip in you when you were about three months yeah, old. I, if they had, if, <laughs> if that was an option, you absolutely would have. Oh, I sure would have. Oh my god, yeah, there's probably a tracker so in my much. car. Oh, there's probably like an air tag somewhere following me. Uh, but yeah, she found me on the Aqua Mouse, and um, I have ride footage of me on it. But I also have mom ride footage of me on it. I have for, I have so much that I think I have seventeen thousand pictures. Oh my god! And I have many many videos. So you have yeah, a lot of videos. Yeah, but I'll take like forty pictures of you, so you like one, and then. Don't get yelled yeah. at for screwing it up. Um, what were your favorite things that you, places you went, stuff you saw? I went to Castaway Island. Castaway Key, yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. That's and funny. it was so cool. So I took the tram, which took about 10 minutes. I'm like, boy, that's so far from the ship. And I realized when I walked back, it was like two blocks. It was, it was it's like, that close? it's that close. I walked, it was two blocks. I was cracking oh my up. God. You know I, how things look like the yeah, mud fire, yeah, 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 yeah. Disney thing? Yeah. Yeah. It was very close. Oh my God. But I'll, s- I'll mention, I did not, I had to work. I was doing interviews while on the ship. I have not left the ship and I don't feel kooky at all. I thought I'd feel like I'm on a ship for too long, but I haven't stepped foot off the ship since we got on and I feel great. Uh, but my mom went to cast away cause I was sadly working. So she went without me and I haven't been in years. So I would have, I would have taken the tram it's, too. It's amazing because there's different sections so you can have a quiet section yeah you can be with people you want to be with there's enough for a big party and it's different parts and then they have different restaurants and they have bars set up it was a resort actually yeah, it was wonderful really good. And they have shops it was great yeah it, disney cruise line people love castaway key they don't miss a trick there and on this yeah. and on this ship anything i want anything i want to do everything is so easy i know and i think uh i know it at some point is going to sound like hyperbole in these episodes because you know, we're here for media. They want you to say it's amazing. They want you to say it's great, but it's actually great. It's actually great in a way where I'm like, I don't know how to stress it even more that it's just great. And especially juxtaposing it against the Disney parks experience, which has become very burdensome lately uh, with, you know, you have to get a park reservation. You have to, if you're choose to do a genie plus choose to do an individual lightning lane, a la carte selection. If you want to join a virtual queue, there's all these layers. You have to wake up early. You have to do all these things. And I haven't been on a cruise in maybe four to five years at Disney Cruise. And to now be on it with the way the parks are, which is a lot of planning, a lot of being on your phone, scheduling things, to be somewhere like this where you can just flow and do whatever you'd like and go in spaces and out of spaces, it's really reinforced how nice the Disney Cruise Line experience is. I totally agree with that. And one of the things that I never liked about a cruise that I dreaded every time I got on the cruise was that you have to go for safety things and you got everybody cramped yeah. together. And, you, you know, so we went to where we were supposed to go, but they give you an option to go within six hours. So I'm like, all right, let's go check it out. It's a queue a QR code. A QR yeah, you like code on your phone. You, or you like scan. It's not even a QR. You like scan, you scan it on your like phone. Like how you'd scan if you're um 
if you're doing a check, if you're like depositing a check digitally, correct. You like scan or in a restaurant. When yeah, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. scan. You scan the sign. It's like a little rectangle. It scans the sign, so you know where your station is. And then they have a little video that's like, here's what to do if things go wrong. And that's it. Like it doesn't. But there's no sirens. There's no like everybody go line up, which is really I a killjoy. Everybody's in their vests. Yes. And everybody's like yes. COVID contact. Yes. Everybody's in their yeah. gross little vests. Yes. It's, and it's you know, awful. you're standing there for so long. It's like really a killjoy at the start of the trip. This and was the best thing ever. It's the best. I went to the room. I watched it from my phone. Yeah. And it, it was like nothing. It and was I, so easy. And I know where we have to go. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Right by the spot on the left. Yes. And we also have two restaurants on our floor, which is kind of nice too. Oh yeah. If you want to grab chicken fingers so, before well, the capsize. <laughs> I got to tell you, I did grab chicken fingers in one and then I was kind of like, I'm eating by myself and then... I got, you know, I wasn't full, yeah. so I kind of like put my plate down, put it away, and I went to the other restaurant, and it's like on the other side of, it's on the other yeah. side, so nobody's watching me eating two meals. It was no. great. I mean, that's Disney Cruise Line for you. It was great. I, Set up yeah. great. Oh, God. The the poolside food, which I'm sure I have already gotten into in this episode in some intro, um, the Mickey and Friends area, so usually, you know, you can get like a cheeseburger, you can get chicken fingers, you can get kind of whatever, and they added two new restaurants. They added Donald's Cantina and I think it's Mickey's Smokehouse Barbecue. I don't know the exact name. That's what it was. But it was excellent. They had all the sides. They had a bunch of different smoked meats that were really good. The, the cantina had so many options. You can get a taco, a burrito, a bowl. You can get beans. You can get veggies. You can get meat. Like, there were so many grab-and-go options that usually I would be a buffet person. I'd right, go to the right, proper right, buffet, right. which here is Marceline's Market. Uh, which here is Marceline's Market. I believe that's the name, but I'm <laughs> pretty sure. And I went there once because I kept eating the poolside food because I thought it was so good. Well, what they do there is, you know, you don't grab your food. Everybody's yeah. not touching the utensils. They're serving it to you, yeah. whatever you want, which is really nice. Really nice. But you had a bowl of something with me the other day that you were like... Mm. The, the cantina. Oh, my God. It was brown rice. I had two types of beans. I had a little bit of chicken, fajita vegetables some other toppings and then they have a salsa bar with nine fresh salsas and then a, a maybe six or seven other ones in a bottle that are also fresh but just squeezable and it was it was unbelievable there's like a habanero pineapple salsa and they I would never they expect didn't, that they didn't miss a trick I'd never expect that I've Disney never seen cruise. that before like, I can't get that in a restaurant yeah. I've never seen that before it is and also yeah. like this is a brand new ship so I've been on ships years after they've been introduced so I haven't yet been on a brand new ship until now but everything is themed very upscale Oh, absolutely. It feels like yeah. a premium experience, and it feels like it will definitely have probably a good 10 years before anything feels too outdated. Like, it just feels nice and modernized. Yeah, there was just so much. The best thing out of everything in the whole world is that I am locked in a room with you. Oh, my gosh. I am so happy. I love you so much. <laughs> I want you to know we walk around the ship, and, of course, everybody knows everybody, but they come up to me. And oh, they yeah. say, I love you on the podcast. I love how you love your daughter. And I like start crying. I'm like crying now. I love her so much. <laughs> I want to be, I said to her, I want to like live with her now. And she said, no. You're, no, you're not living with me. I just want to be with you all you the had time. 18, Life is so much fun with you. You years of me living in the house. Yeah, but we weren't paling together so well. No, yes, you we were just, were. no, well, you grounded me enough where I was kind of so I can hang out with you. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was great. Oh, you can't say that. I'll bleep it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It did. Yes, I know. There was a few things that I kind of like were worried that you go to. So I ground you just so you can be with me because I love oh you so much. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, so my mom is loving being in a room with me. Granted, we have the messiest cabin on the Disney uh, Messy. We won't let the guy yeah. come in and clean. Yeah. He said, like, can I come in? I'm like, no, you no, can't come in. No, he will not be entering our room until so we vacate it. We are so much alike. I have my stony clover. She has her stony oh clover God. section. And then I have... 
everything on the bag because tonight is the night we have to oh, pack. Oh, God. Tonight, we dread this night. We dread. Since before we left. Okay, so we each have two suitcases and we each have two carry-ons. Of course, of course. We are so much alike, it cre- and much that you don't want to, to your chagrin, but I, it is amazing. Amazing. But yeah, we are, we really had a good time. I mean, it was stressful, which I'm sure we'll mention at some point, but that's just because of media stuff. That's not anything of the cruise. Um, it really, I don't know. It's a good ship. Uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely. You got to hand it to them when they the do best. a good yes, job. Yes. I mean, I have small critiques, which I will get into in the podcast. Um, but those are really, I mean, they're Tiny, not. right? They're like nothing. Yeah, they don't really. The amount with which I love things like the entertainment, the food offerings, and uh, the restaurants they've developed, that doesn't really compare to anything negative I feel about other small things. They really, I think they did a, a great job, and I think they really packed in different different facets of the Walt Disney Company into the ship. Absolutely. Like, you really can... There's Disney, there's Pixar, there's Marvel, there's Star Wars. Like, there's a lot that you can do within those worlds more than ever before. More than, like, you can go to the kids' club, I guess. Like, there's stuff for the entire family in each of those categories. We didn't talk about the shows at dinner that were so good. Yeah. The Marvel show was great. Yeah, Worlds of Marvel. The um, Frozen was great last night. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah, it was. It, they were real, like really saw very different experiences, which I loved because yes. sometimes you feel like, oh, it's another Disney restaurant, right, right, right. And it it really felt it's family friendly, but it's kind of not. They're not like reaching the the youngest person in the family. They're not like oh, animators palette skews a little young, but these Agreed. are family friendly and good for all ages. But they kind of hit a little older. Yes. And they I do. liked yes. that. And they also have a different place. They have a place for toddlers. They have a place yeah. for babies. They have a place for teenagers. I walked in there today. It's like a bar set up, but they've got their coffee. Yeah. And they've got their sodas. And yeah. they're watching shows. And they're it's so cool. It's really nice. And those yeah. a lot of spaces on other ships, like the teen spaces and the adult spaces, they were all tucked away. Mm-hmm. They were all the adult spaces, which I'm still on the fence about how I feel about it. I have to think about it. And I may have already mentioned it, but... The adult spaces used to always be in one area. They were they were kind of siphoned away from the rest of the ship because it was like... And it felt a little like, oh, adults are going to do their drinking. Like, it felt very secretive. Right. Which I'm used to. So there's a lot of things where I was like, it's different. I don't know. I don't know if I like it. And now it's really nice that, like, there's these spaces you can kind of move through. The open ones with all the pretty leaves yeah, hanging Bayou from Yeah, Bayou is like oh, a, really, my- a really nice open lounge, which is something that other cruise ships have. There's yes. like a lot of different lounges throughout the ship, a lot of places you can get drinks. They have zero-proof drinks. It's not just alcoholic drinks. But you can kind of... I really like that it... I don't know, the Bayou kind of feels like a... It's easy. An offshoot of the atrium. Yeah. It's like a gathering place. And I think it's really nice the way it's laid out. It's Disney, but it's not in-your-face Disney. But if you want Disney, it's there. So there really is a balance. Like, if you're coming on this cruise because... And I know probably not the listenership of this podcast, but um, people who have family members, have spouses, have kids who are very into Disney and they themselves might not be, I don't think they would feel kind of beaten over the head by it. Because, yeah, there's there's... Walt Disney Company artwork everywhere, but it's elegant and it's nice. It's not overbearing. Like, we're in a Moana-themed room, but it's just, it's artwork, it's color palette, it's not kind of, it's not like putting you in the movie. And I think they blended those worlds very nicely. All right, how about how cool this this spa was? Oh my god, I like like, like, the swings and the water. I don't like the rainforest room. Oh, I love it. It's overpriced. How about the cold room? I love that. It's overpriced. (laughs) I loved it. That's great. I I know people love Rainforest Room. I thought there was they dedicated a lot of space to it, and I don't think there was enough in there. Oh, I liked it a lot. 
if you want to just get away and the, relax. I mean, the outdoor and, hot tubs were cool, but again, there's no view. You're in this area. And my mom went for a walk on the walking track, which is apparently not really a walking track because there's stairs. Well, it's weird. I start on the fourth level and I walk halfway and then I have to go upstairs and finish the other half on five. And then I and then on five or four, I'm not sure which one, I think it was five that the spa was. Yeah. And then I walk, I'm like, wait a minute, I could see everybody in the spa. Yeah, you can look down into right. the rainforest room outdoor space, which is not right. the, like, if I yeah. was relaxing, I wouldn't want, like, looky-loos. I don't want anybody, I think they should have, like, a shield yeah, that went down. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, people, yeah. they can see out, you can't see yes. in. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah um, but the walking track is up and down. There's not a full walking yeah. track. Yeah. So I hit the I hit the health club instead. The fitness yeah. center. The fitness center was immaculate. Mm-hmm. It was one. They have fruit bowls set up. They had great state-of-the-art equipment. I loved it. That yeah. was nice. I got a little workout in today. Um, unfortunately, we have to head to dinner. No, 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 no. What? I love this. We have to head to dinner. I love it. It's been so 22 much. minutes. I just want to thank you for taking out of everyone in the world you took me, and it makes me yeah, so happy. Yeah, I barely got to see you because I was working so much. Oh, I got to see you plenty. Well, we should go. Now that I'm done working, we should go hang out. I love you so much. I love you too. I miss you guys, and thanks for having me. I should just leave the mic on. You would never stop talking. No, I'll stay here. Go to dinner. I got this. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to go to our final dinner. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. This is Kate from L.A., big fan of you, and huge fan of Morty Boy. I have a niche question, and it honestly might just be population me asking this, but would you ever consider bringing Morty to Walt Disney World and documenting his stay? It would also be a delight to see him eat Chelsea's uh, from Style by Magic's dog, Pascal. Okay, just over here manifesting my dream content. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for calling about my sweet, beautiful furry son. Uh, I gotta tell you, I would be lying if I haven't thought about bringing Morty to Walt Disney World. I've absolutely thought about it. But the only feasible way to do it would be to drive him cross country, which I simply don't think I have the sitting stamina for. I don't think that I could sit for that many hours, get up and do it all over again for another three, four days after. I don't think I can handle it. But I will tell you, if I did take Morty to Disney World, I already know what I would do. I would have him stay at a Disney hotel with me. I would probably do nothing but sit in the room with him because I love him so much. And then I would take him to a Universal Hotel and have him stay there. And probably just do nothing because I love him so much. And then I would bring him to this place called Best Friends Pet Hotel, which is on property. And I learned just now, I thought they only existed at Disney World. But they exist all over the country. And they are very, very cool. And they have... This is going to sound so bougie, but you know, it's a once in a lifetime trip in my brain and this isn't actually happening and I'm dreaming. So it's fine to talk about. They have luxury suites and club suites for dogs. You got to hear what these have. They have like a little, what is this called? Pet chats webcam unit so that you can basically talk to your dog through a TV screen whenever you would like. And these luxury suites have what does it say? 91 square feet of indoor and outdoor space. They have room to go indoors and go outdoors. They have a little TV. They have a little patio. They get playtime. The club suites. Oh my God, this is truly like club level staying at a deluxe Disney resort. They have a personal concierge. What does Morty need a concierge for? I basically am his concierge. I just give him peanut butter all day and he loves me. That's basically all it is. Oh my God, you get a go-home-fresh bath, um, a tote with seasonal gifts, so much stuff. I would obviously be taking him here. 
I'm not going to lie. I would be very tempted by the club sweets because he deserves it. He's my favorite dog. Now, for anyone who's not familiar, uh, yes, my friend Chelsea, styled by magic on Instagram, has a majestic dog named Pascal. And I have met him and he is a showstopper. Uh, I truly could not stop petting him and looking at him. He is such a dreamy good boy. I love him so much. And the idea of him meeting Morty is just blowing my mind. I can't, I can't handle that much joy in my brain. But what this has made me think about is that if I was feasibly driving across the country, I could do it in an RV and I could stay at Fort Wilderness. And that would kind of make the ideal setup because maybe if him and Pascal were friends, maybe he could like stay with Chelsea for a day and they could hang out or we like all hang out together. Anyway, this is now a real thought in my brain. You have planted a seed. I really want to do this. Uh, Thank you for letting me daydream about being at the most magical place on earth with my boy. I appreciate it. Thank you for loving Morty. He loves you back. Arf. Oh, I love him so much. I love him. I'm going to go hug him. Okay, bye. Hi, Carly. This is going to be a little long. I feel like we've been operating in tangential spheres for a while. I I worked at WDI for a minute, and in doing that, um, ended up at the same D, um, Club 33 event that Taryn talked about in his episode. My roommate at the time was part of the communications team, and we carpooled to the opening day of Galaxy's Edge, so I also ended up at that meal when I wasn't supposed to. Um, in a similar but different vein of operating in similar circles, I'm like 99% sure I was in passing with your mom recently. I now live in Chicago and I was in like a strip mall near Old Orchard and I was like, this woman seems very familiar and I can't pin it. I'm also terrible at uh, identifying people in masks and it wasn't until I got back in my car that I was like, mm, this this might be Carly's mom. Uh, but the real reason I decided to call today was you had, in your most recent episode, talked about the horses at Disneyland. And something I wanted to add to that that you potentially didn't know is the horses, now that they live more or less off-site from Disneyland, they follow a very similar shift to, like, how a lot of nurses end up getting staffed. So the horses end up doing usually two days on and five days off so they'll work in the park two days and um depending it's usually pre-planned by somebody they might not even go back to the ranch that evening they might stay um but yeah two days on and then five days off where they're spending time kind of open and at the ranch so um it's not necessarily i believe at least when i was with wdi there were 18 horses and i believe only four got staffed every day, something like that. I, I mean, you're familiar with kind of the peaks and valleys of the busy season. I think they definitely do less on the weekdays and more on the weekends, but just thought that was another bit of info you might be interested in. So at the rate we're going, I might end up becoming your friend through your mom if I bump into her again. And if the universe times are right, I'll be in some merch, but hope you're doing well. I'm sorry, what? I cannot believe you saw my mom. It was absolutely my mom. It was absolutely her at a mall. At a mall. Are you kidding me? Of course she was at a mall. Oh my gosh. I wish you would have stopped her. It would have um, made her entire life. Uh, next time, since it seems like we're going to bump into each other again, please accost me or my mother wherever you see us in this country. <laughs> and also, I can't believe you're truly like incepting your way into the podcast. You were at the event that Taryn talked about in that episode. Oh my God, living parallel lives. This is so interesting. And this isn't even what the call's about, but 
Oh, wow, 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 wow. Uh, in terms of the horses, thank you so much for uh, breaking down their, kind of like their work structure. I didn't think that it would be like that, that they would as be, as you said, working like nurses or I guess kind of like like f- like fire firemen and firewomen, fire horses. They're kind of like that. They're just, <laughs> they work a few days and then they get to relax on the farm the other times because they work so hard. That's incredible to know. I'm so grateful for this. I hope every week provides new horse details for all of us because this is the stuff I want to know about and this is the stuff that I can't get anywhere else. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you so much for calling and uh, hope to see you soon. Hi, Carly. This is Claire from Canada. I know you've probably already covered this, but I'm planning on going to Disney World during the holiday season. I want to know your recommendations. Um, like, is the after-hours event worth it? Um, any food you like? Any places we need to go to? Um, I've been to Disney World about six or seven times, but most of those times were when I was a kid. And I love the podcast, and thanks. Bye. You timed this call perfectly because the holidays are rapidly approaching at Walt Disney World Resort, but also we're far enough away where you are still able to plan for them. So you timed it great, and I'm happy to help you. Now, the main thing that I think we got to talk about is Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. I think it's a ton of fun. I think any Disney fan who is interested in it should absolutely go at least once in their lives if they can. And because you haven't really been there during the holidays, it is something I want to stress to you because it is the, it packs the most Christmas punch in a way, if that makes sense. Like you're going to get a Christmas themed fireworks show. You're going to get the Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time parade. You're going to see those toy soldiers clomp clomp down Main Street, which is very fun. But also it, it's a bit costly. I mean, the price is as much, if not, it can be more than a one day ticket. Oh, even maybe a one-day park hopper at this point. Like, it it costs about the same as one-day admission to the park. So if you're grappling with price, you kind of should evaluate if this uh, nighttime special party is worth it as much as maybe extending your park ticket to spend more time in the parks. But regardless, I do think it's fun. And if you're looking for a little, a little extra something-something during the holidays, that is something I want to flag. But you do not have to pay extra money beyond park admission to enjoy the holidays at Walt Disney World. For me, one of my favorite things to do is head to the Grand Floridian because not only do they have what I think is the best Christmas tree, but they also have a gingerbread house that sells gingerbread that is made of gingerbread. It's made it, it's truly made of gingerbread and they sell gingerbread out of it. I don't know how they don't have an ant problem. You'd think it would be infested with bugs, but regardless, it is so fun and such a quirky little thing to do during the holidays. I highly recommend If you have any free time to go on a tour of the resort hotels, there are a lot of really great trees and a lot of really great things to see. Over at Beach Club, they have a carousel made of gingerbread. Why not? And they always have a fun display at Disney's Contemporary Resort. But there's a really good tree at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. There's a a really good tree at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. And at Yacht Club, they have a like a miniature Christmas village. It's cute. It's cute. It's cute. But there is plenty going on in the parks as well. And Magic Kingdom, the most important thing is dream lights. The castle is dripping in these magical nighttime lights. You see them at the party, but you see them if you're not at the party. You see them on a regular night at Magic Kingdom, and they're pretty special, and they're fun to take a photo in front of. Over at Epcot, there's Festival of the Holidays, where you can eat and drink your way around, try different cuisines. There's Candlelight Processional, which is the retelling of the biblical story of Christmas, which is presented often at the end of November and throughout December. 
There's always a celebrity narrator, so that's fun to ogle in case it's someone cool. And the easiest way to get a seat for this is with a dining package, but you can also wait it out to try to get a seat or just observe from the path nearby if you're low-key curious. Animal Kingdom has this thing called Merry Menagerie, which is so cute. They're little wintertime animals, and they're like puppeted, and they come up to you. It's very cute. I love it. And there's also festive displays on the Tree of Life in Animal Kingdom and on Tower of Terror at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, you can see Santa. You gotta. I'm not going to say where yet because they could change it, uh, but you can see Santa around. You can sometimes see Santa goofy. So there's a lot to do and a lot to see, but even if you just go to Disney World, you're going to know it's the holiday season from the food and the drink and everything, all the decor, all of it, all of it, all of it. So it will be uh, the most wonderful time of the year. I assure you. Have so much fun on your trip and let me know if you have any other questions. Oh, there's one more thing I want to stress for the holiday season. Because of Mickey's very merry Christmas party, Magic Kingdom will close early on certain nights, so be sure to plan your trip around that. Don't plan on going to Magic Kingdom all day and night on a day of that party because you will have to leave the park before it's too late in the night. So make sure you get the most out of your park admission, plan in advance, and have so much fun. Hey, Carly. My name's Kathy, and I'm going to try and make it through this phone call without bursting into tears again. I just got done listening to the Hoop-de-Doo episode, and I just wanted to thank you for doing that episode. Um, I'm the re- There's several reasons why I might burst into tears right now. One, I'm very pregnant and very hormonal. And two, we had recently lost my grandpa. Um, my grandpa was not a huge Disney goer, but we would go every four years or so as a family. He did it for us grandkids, and um, my grandma loved Disney. So we all went together. And his stipulation to going to Disney with all of us every year was that we had to do the Hoopty Doo um, dinner show. And just listening to the podcast, it just brought back lots of really good memories. And I just wanted to thank you for kind of refreshing some of those memories after we had just lost him. Um, I love the podcast, and thank you again for just reminding me of some of those memories of my grandpa. Thanks. Oh, my gosh, this call. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I was able just to do a little bit to bring your grandpa's spirit back. Thank you so much for calling. I'm so glad you appreciated it. And I love that I was able to to help you relive those memories a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. That's our show. Thank you all so much for listening to this very nautical episode of Fairy Amusing. Please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow us on Spotify. I know I've said this before, but this is truly the modern day equivalent to writing in someone's yearbook. You know, it's permanent. It's basically up there forever and everyone can see it and you know until the school year ends and you put your yearbook on a shelf but you know what i mean you know what i mean we appreciate it and we thank you so please rate review follow subscribe all of it you can give us a call truly whenever you'd like any time of day works at 747 churros we welcome your questions your inquiries your complaints your hot takes we want you to bring it if you don't like the idea of leaving a voicemail because it stresses you out i totally get it you can send us a voice note to 747churros. You can just text it, or you can email it to 747churros at gmail.com. 
If you're like, wow, I love this podcast, but I wish that it was available not in an audio format, but in clothing, well, you're in luck because we have lots of merch and we just restocked. And so we have plenty of sizes and plenty of offerings. You can find our t-shirts, sweatshirts, and a lot of other fun stuff at very-amusing.com. If you want more of this gal, you can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok, supposedly. I guess I'm still there. Who knows why? You can also join the Fomaly, which I highly recommend everyone there is wonderful, at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited cerebrally by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. honey, it's mom. I am on twice this week. I'm very excited about that. Um, the Hoop-dee-doo musical review is awesome. Um, my favorite part, of course, Tom's musical show, but the second favorite part was the salmon because I had mentioned once before, I think on the podcast, that they give you a piece of salmon that fills the plate. I'm, I'm all for quantity and quality, but quantity for sure. I tried the chicken. The fried chicken is outstanding. It's so juicy. It's so good. And I've had the ribs, which is like butter. They're they're so good. I absolutely loved everything, but I can't wait to one. I haven't tried the cheesecake, so or the strawberry cheesecake. I would love to try that. I would love to try the mac and cheese. Um, I couldn't believe it when Julie said that they cook eighty to a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand pounds of ribs. That's a lot of ribs. That place is hopping. I love it. Okay, so I just got home last night. You might hear fireworks in the background because it's the third. I have to say, honey, I loved being with you on the Disney Wish. The ship was incredible. Um, now I'm not going to say too much because I know that you're going to talk about it next week, and I don't want to say anything I shouldn't say, so I'll save that for next week. But all I can say is that I love you so much. I loved being with you. I was so sad yesterday to leave you, and everything was outstanding. But I did ask you the one question. I was kind of joking, but I wanted to hear what you'd say. I asked you if I was so sad to leave, if I can live with you. <laughs> I actually asked you if I can come to L.A. and live with you, and you gave me a flat-out no. So just because you did that, I am coming to see you next week. So maybe we can do another episode. This is so much fun. I love you. I'm so proud of you. I had the best week ever with you. It is so nice sharing a little room with you. That was my dream. So dreams do come true on the Disney wish. I love you. Bye.